using cannabis while breastfeeding may not be as harmful to infants as once thought, according to a new study. That's the title of a Parents.com article that came out on November the 23rd, 2022. Let me give you some perspective. I'm taping this podcast on November the 28th. So this is just five days ago. All right. So what? (laughs) So the title, let me read that again. Using cannabis while breastfeeding may not be as harmful to infants as once thought, according to a new study. This is why it's important for all of us, whether you're a nurse practitioner or a PA, physician, uh, any women's healthcare advocate, to know what's out there so that we can put this thing into proper perspective. Because if somebody reads that quickly, you're like, great, time to light it up. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a lot going on here. And it's interesting because this new study that's referenced isn't actually that new. That article actually came out in 2021. And there's a lot of areas for concern here, despite what the headlines say. So because marijuana is so prevalent in the U.S., we've got to talk about this thing. Now, I don't want to focus specifically on pregnancy, but I want to put the focus on breastfeeding because that's actually the title of this whole article that we started this conversation with. And there's a lot of issues that we have to discuss regarding the safety of THC or CBD and breastfeeding because the data is really confusing, but we're going to make sense of it right now in this episode. All right, so we're going to talk about weed during breastfeeding, yay or nay. Let's figure it out right now. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Now, before I jump into this data, I want to give this a very important disclosure. And I struggled whether I was going to put this here at the beginning or at the end of the podcast. And after talking with the team, we settled on doing this right now because it has to be said. And we didn't want to risk somebody shutting up the podcast before they get to the very end and missing it. Okay, so here's the disclosure. So 100 percent, I am pro breastfeeding. Okay, everybody who knows me knows that. I think there's a lot of advantages to breastfeeding. And even the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, states this, quote, maternal substance abuse is not a categorical contraindication to breastfeeding, end quote. All right, lots of advantages to breastfeeding. And the reason that marijuana use is not contraindicated with breastfeeding is, well, one of the main reasons is we just don't have a lot of that long-term data. (laughs) There's a lot of holes missing. So until we know absolutely that it causes some distinct harms, and we're going to talk about some of those because we have some indications already, but until we have more, more firm data, it's not a contraindication. Okay, so I've heard it stated this way, and I love this statement because it's very deep and you're never going to forget it. And here's the statement. Marijuana use is contraindicated during breastfeeding, but breastfeeding is not contraindicated because of marijuana use. Isn't that great? Did you all see the difference there? So marijuana use is contraindicated during breastfeeding, but breastfeeding is not contraindicated with marijuana use. So if you're scratching your head going, what? No, no, think about it. In other words, we should tell patients not to smoke marijuana or to at least greatly reduce it during breastfeeding, but breastfeeding is not contraindicated. However, there are gaps in long-term data, and we should advise patients, educate them on some potential neurodevelopmental issues that can happen down the road, all right? Especially with uh, in utero exposure, some of these things don't happen immediately in the neonatal period. These are long-term neurodevelopmental issues that we're going to discuss. 
discuss. But I just wanted to give that disclosure out there right away, that marijuana use and really any substance use is not a categorical contraindication to breastfeeding. Now let's go into the data. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I can't believe we're going to call this title yay or nay. I mean, I'm surely someone's going to get hit me with like a Kanye question. Isn't Kanye yay now? Marijuana is the most widely used illegal drug during pregnancy in the U.S. And marijuana use is on the rise among all adult age groups, both sexes, and that includes pregnant women. Now, notice what I said, illegal drug. So if you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, some states have that legal absolutely right. While some states have legalized it, marijuana still remains illegal at the federal level. So even the laws are confusing. (laughs) In addition, a growing number of pregnant women view this as a safe and a natural way to treat nausea and vomiting of pregnancy, even though the data shows just the opposite. Nausea and vomiting tends to be worse and to be exacerbated with marijuana use. Here's what I'm going to do in this episode. I'm going to lay out this article that Parents.com somehow picked up this month in November of 2022, even though the article was out a year ago, October 2021, out of the American Academy of Pediatrics. So I'm going to give you this this article. I'm going to give you the real quick synopsis, and then I'm going to kind of go into why it's still a very scary title, and the article is very misleading, okay? Because the the data is actually very, very unclear here regarding its safety, and I want to talk about how CBD or THC affects the brain in utero. We're going to talk about how the studies are conflicting. I'm going to tell you what several professional organizations have to say about lactation and marijuana use, and then we're going to come back, circle back at the end, and talk about this uh, article once again, all right? So that's our outline. We're going to start with the article, go into how THC affects the fetal brain. We're going to go into what the data says, professional societies, and then we'll loop it back to this article that was our topic for discussion. Well, if you thought that the title was a little confusing and maybe misleading out of parents.com, that's nothing compared to the subtitle. The subtitle is, quote, A new study shows that THC-positive breast milk may not be harmful to preterm infants as we once thought. End quote. Yeah, it's not even term infants, it's preterm infants. So what is happening here? Well, first of all, the study that they're referencing comes out of the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is, again, you're like, why is the AAP doing this? Well, because we need information so badly that sometimes even confusing information can be helpful. And again, I'm going to talk about that at the end, but here's what this study showed. This study examined records from 763 preterm infants from 2014 to 2020. So it's not a huge number, 763, but still a pretty good number. These researchers noted that 17% of the birthing mothers here, okay, so the moms, tested positive for THC in their system during delivery. So first of all, I'm like, wow, was this random or these women picked out? I mean, 17% is really high, but it is what it is. 
when researchers compared the preterm infants who were breastfed the THC-positive milk to infants who were formula-fed or who were breastfed with no THC present, they found no difference in breathing difficulty, lung development, or in feeding issues. Now, let's put this in perspective. This is those that were in the NICU, right? So these were late preterm children and then had breast milk from THC-positive samples. And they're like, hey, they still fed okay. They didn't require any excess uh, respiratory support, which is good news. Uh, And up until discharge, the equal amount were healthy at time of discharge from the hospital. So our short-term gain here is very well, short-sighted, for lack of a better term. I mean, there was no long-term neurodevelopmental outcomes followed here. We're talking about were they sedated, did they eat okay, and were they discharged in the same status as compared to some babies who did not have THC-positive milk? And the answer was, yeah, they're about the same. Well, wait a minute. I don't want to diminish the study here. I mean, it is good news. At least the babies weren't that high from their breast milk that somehow they couldn't breathe on their own. So that is reassuring, even in this high-risk population, which was preterm infants. But a lot of questions remain. Our understanding of cannabinoid receptors in utero and in early postnatal life has come a long way as the rise of marijuana use has just skyrocketed. Because cannabinoid receptors, we do know they are detected in humans as early as 14 weeks gestation and endocannabinoids are important for neurodevelopment. These children have had lower scores on tests for visual problem solving, visual motor coordination, decreased attention span and behavioral issues. Of course, one of the issues with all of these marijuana studies is that there's a lot of confounding variables here, including sociodemographic factors, nutrition, and other co-variables like tobacco or polysubstance abuse. So it's really hard to pull this data out, and that's why the data and the messaging is so confusing. Now, let me tell you how confusing this is, all right? Let me read you some of the data that comes out of a very respected website and organization. I mean, this is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration from the federal government, or or S-A-M-H-S-A, all right? Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. If you take a look at their website about risks of marijuana during pregnancy, here's what it says. Studies show that marijuana use during pregnancy may be harmful to a baby's health and can cause a variety of problems, including fetal growth restriction, a greater risk of stillbirth, preterm birth, low birth weight, and long-term development, including issues with memory, learning, and behavior. Well, out of those five things listed, the only one that's pretty agreeable with the rest of the data is the long-term neurobehavioral issues. But higher risk of stillbirth, preterm birth, low birth weight, growth restriction, is that what the data show? And the answer is no. Now, remember, this is out of the federal government website where it says, oh, if you do marijuana, you increase your risk of stillbirth. Now, we know that the majority of stillbirth cases are unexplained, but could you imagine that guilt? I mean, I just, I just, look, people made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions. And I just hate to give people this extra guilt that, oh my gosh, if their baby somehow dies and they did marijuana, that absolutely that's tied to stillbirth. And it's weird that this is in this website because that's actually not what the data show. Let me explain. The two big systematic reviews and meta-analyses that took a look at prenatal exposure to cannabis and maternal and child outcomes both happened in 2016. You're like, nothing's happened since then? Well, there's been a lot of cohort studies and retrospective studies, but these are kind of the two big 
anchors, systematic reviews that have kind of taken a look at this. The first one was by Gunn, and this was published out of Public Health in BMJ Open Network, all right? So what they found is, look, cannabis, after we took a look at the data, this was 24 studies. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Yep, it looks like it's an independent factor that can increase adverse outcomes for women and their children, all right? So, yep, a lot of potential here that this causes bad stuff. But they couldn't take away the other influences of, say, tobacco or other drugs. Well, that's where the other study comes in, which was by Connor et al., also in 2016. But this was published in the Green Journal, all right? So Connor et al. and Methodius Thule. And the title was Maternal Marijuana Use and Adverse Neuronal Outcomes, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis from the Green Journal. So Connor and his team attempted to address limitations that were cited by the review by Gunn that said, look, we couldn't adjust for a lot of these other secondary factors, especially tobacco use. So Connor had all said, well, we're going to do that. And they provided this second meta-analysis. Their study included the systematic review of now 31 studies, and it reached all the way back from 1982 to 2015. And they specifically look at these adverse neonatal outcomes. Ready? They were low birth weight, preterm delivery, gestational age at delivery, admission to the NICU, small for gestational age status, stillbirth, spontaneous abortion, low APGAR scores, placental abruption, and even perinatal death. A major strength of this study was the inclusion of cohort studies used to measure other substances like tobacco and other recreational drugs and even socioeconomic and demographic factors to control for these confounders and determine the independent role of marijuana use. Okay, so what did they find? I mean, they looked for a lot of bad stuff, right? Well, the authors concluded that, yes, marijuana use is definitely associated with some bad outcomes. However, it's not an independent risk factor once you control for the other confounding things, especially tobacco. So right now, the current prevailing theory is that, well, it's just not good for you overall, especially because being high all the time leads to poor nutrition and other poor choices, including tobacco use or polysubstance abuse. But it does not seem to be associated with preterm birth or low birth weight or stillbirth as an independent factor. Did y'all get that? See, this is why the thing gets confusing, all right? Because marijuana by itself has an association with adverse outcomes. But again, remember, as we talked about in another podcast, association doesn't always mean causation. But it's a risk factor for other poor choices. But if you're ever asked, does marijuana use alone, does that have adverse outcomes? Well, not according to the meta-analyses. If you actually control for other confounding variables, it really doesn't in terms of true tangible issues like preterm birth, abruption, and stillbirth, and congenital anomalies. It doesn't seem to do that. The issue is more intangible in terms of neurodevelopment. Yes, you can measure those, but I'm talking about not things that you can see like preterm birth. Those are things that you have to be tested for later because it definitely does have some impaired cognition and neurodevelopment. So it's more of the indirect issues versus direct negative effects, which is why women think, oh, THC is totally safe in pregnancy. Add to this confusion articles like the one from Parent.com and the original journal article from the American Academy of Pediatrics from 2021 that showed that babies that had, you know, contaminated breast milk with THC had no different outcomes by time of discharge. And they're like, oh, it's totally fine. But again, there's real issues long term. It's the indirect effects that are more neurocognitive and neurobehavioral that are at risk here. 
look, let me be honest and a little transparent here. I think there's real medicinal benefit for CBD products, right? Not the THC variety, but CBD. I mean, I think it does fantastic things for PTSD, anxiety, and depression when used correctly in the right formulation, all right? But that's not carte blanche, just permission to go smoke weed all the time. That's totally different. And by the way, we're going to talk about CBD and what the data shows for that as compared to THC. Well, let me just cut to the chase. There's no data on that. We just haven't studied that because it's hard to, again, extrapolate that's just CBD effect versus THC. We're hoping that five years down the road, as CBD products become more prevalent, that maybe we'll have that data. But as of right now, we just don't have any long-term neurodevelopmental data on perinatal exposure to CBD alone. So when I come back, let's why don't we talk about but the concentration of THC in breast milk and should women be allowed to breastfeed an hour after inhalation or four hours or what does the data show? And then we're going to wrap this up with what the professional societies have to say about marijuana use and breastfeeding and leave you with a couple of final thoughts about that parents.com synopsis from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Ooh, lots to cover. Let's keep going. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yay, more confusing data coming your way. All right. (laughs) Now, we're going to try to make sense of this, but it really is kind of confusing. And there's two articles that stand out here regarding THC transfer into breast milk that are always quoted, okay? The first one is by Baker et al. in 2018. The second one is by Bertrand et al. also in 2018. Man, we had two articles, two systematic reviews from 2016, and now the two THC transfer into breast milk from 2018. Things come in pairs, I guess. Another concern is this exposure to THC and its metabolites into human breast milk. Two recent studies that we just discussed try to evaluate this, but unfortunately, the results were very conflicting. Let's talk about Baker first, all right? Baker et al. 2018. Because I told you that sometimes we're just so desperate for data that we'll take anything that's out there as additional information. Well, this study was good, but we had an N of 8 Yep, that's eight mothers. So these eight women collected breast samples before inhalation of marijuana. They did it at 20 minutes, one, two, and four hours after inhalation. They found that THC peaked in the milk at one hour and it dropped off after that. The relative infant dose was about 2.5%. They noted that THC rapidly reached clinically significant concentrations in plasma and the CNS, but there was a rapid distribution to skeletal muscle and adipose tissue, which reduced its concentration in breast milk. There were no measurable concentrations of metabolites in breast milk after four hours of smoking weed. Now, the second study was a sample of 50 breastfeeding mothers with a total of 54 samples. THC was detectable in 63% of samples up to six days after the last reported use. So let's stop there for a minute. So in one sample with the N of 8, they're like, nope, we have nothing else left after four hours. And then the second sample of 50 mothers, they're like, wow, we still find some metabolites at six days. What, what is going on here? 
So very different results here, right? So how are we supposed to interpret this thing? Well, the answer to this study conflicting data lies, of course, like in everything in science, has to do with their methodology. The Barker study had a much smaller sample size. Remember, that was the end of eight with a total of 32 milk samples. Bertrand had 50 mothers with 54 milk samples. Baker et al. had mothers who smoked a specific type of cannabis in a prescribed amount. In other words, that's not real world. They're like, here, smoke this, and we know how much cannabis is in here. And of course, in real world, women get or pay, people get marijuana from a variety of sources, and we all know that one plant is not like the other. So in the Bertrand group that had the 50 mothers, they smoked whatever they wanted and they had various amounts of THC. And that's likely why they had longer duration of exposure because they likely had higher amounts of THC in what they smoked. Do you see how this is so variable? So how is somebody going to give a, a, an organizational or position statement on breastfeeding and lactation when there's so many variables? There's not one THC plant where some plants have much higher levels, I mean really strong THC, and others are weaker. And so that's why you get this conflicting data, with some saying, oh, at one hour it peaks, and at four hours you're good. And others say, if you're a chronic user, and it's in your fatty tissue, because it's very lipophilic, uh, and breast milk is, is fatty, it's going to stay into breast milk. If you use a lot of, if you're a high quantity user, it can be up into your breast milk in six days. This is where the confusion happens, all right? So if you ever asked, how long does THC or its metabolite stay in breast milk? The answer is, well, what are they smoking? <laughs> how often and how long have they smoked? Because if they have used it for years and are a high user, that's in their fat stores. It's very lipophilic, and there's a slow dissolution back into the system. So all those factors come into play here, right? The amount of THC in the plant, the frequency of use, and how long the patient has been smoking. And that's why you get this conflicting data on THC transfer in breast milk at various levels. Now listen to this study because this is even more wild. This just tells you how our patients are so confused and, and why they're so confused because they're getting all these mixed messages. A study was published out of breastfeeding medicine in 2015. I know it's been some time, but, but the, the, the foundational uh, stance here is still the same. They surveyed lactational professionals, okay? So breastfeeding counselors, um, certified lactation consultants about marijuana use and breastfeeding and what they tell their patients. Now, the big caveat here is remember in the state, in, in the US, in the nation, there's a lot of geographic vibes uh, about marijuana use, right? I mean, come on, you get it, right? So it's one vibe here where I live in Texas, another one in California, and in the New England area. I mean, it's just the way it is. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful we all have different ways of thinking, if not, how boring would that be? But nonetheless, this was 120 uh, people that were asked to fill out the survey. And of those 120, 74 actually completed the survey. Remember, all lactation um, consultants. And this was all out of the New England area. And they said, look, what do you tell your patients about breastfeeding and marijuana use? Or spe specifically, if you know that they're using marijuana, what do you tell them? 44% stated that they would counsel the patient about breastfeeding based upon the severity of maternal use. In other words, if you're using it 12 times a day, I'm probably not going to tell you to keep doing it. If you're using it once a day, I'd probably tell you just to wait one or four hours. All right. So 44%, well, it depended on their quantity of use. Almost an equal amount, 41%, reported recommending continued breastfeeding because the benefits outweigh any potential harms. So again, it's almost equally split, right? 44 said it depended on the amount. 
41% said, oh, I just have them breastfeed anyway because it's still better. And only 15% reported recommending that a woman should stop breastfeeding if she cannot stop using marijuana. Is that wild or what? So we have almost equal, 44% said it depends on what they use, 41% say just keep breastfeeding, and 15% who said, no, I, I would tell them just to stop if they can't stop doing marijuana. Is that wild or what? Again, all trained lactation professionals, and, and the thought was even they can figure out one common consensus here. Uh, and that's why patients get confused because we're confused ourselves. And this was in, even in a very pro-marijuana area like, the, again, the New England area. Remember, we have two things left to tackle. What do professional organizations and societies have to say about breastfeeding and marijuana use? And then I'm going to come back to some final thoughts about that parents.com AAP article. All right. So now let's tackle what professional societies and organizations have to say specifically regarding marijuana use and breastfeeding. Now, in all transparency, I have a call today. Again, we're doing taping this on November the 28th with the ACOG OB Consensus Care Committee talking about revising the current uh committee opinion on breastfeeding and marijuana use. And that's going on today. This is how timely this is. And I have to be careful here because I can't give out any information that's that's kind of proprietary. But the information all that I've given in this episode is all public information, public domain, easy to search through. And as part of preparation for this ACOG meeting today, I mean, I've looked at this data for the last week, all right? Yep, a week, even on Thanksgiving. I ate, spent time with family, and then went back to the data. Man, I'm all marijuana out. Wait, just by data collection, not by use. Just don't want to get any weird emails. All right, so let's start first with ACOG. What does ACOG say? Well, ACOG pretty much has the same stance as you'd figure it would from the CDC, which is to encourage women to discontinue marijuana use overall, just because it's just not part of a healthy lifestyle, whether they're pregnant or considering to get pregnant or not. It's also recommended by the college to not prescribe or suggest prescribing any marijuana for medicinal purposes during preconception, pregnancy, or lactation intervals. ACOG also recommends that we do screen patients for marijuana use, as we should for tobacco use and alcohol use, at least once during pregnancy, with some data showing that the more that you ask, the less likely they are to do it, whether it's guilt or I don't know what it is, but the idea is ask. There's no harm in asking, and we should ask everybody. Don't do this based on race or socioeconomic factors. Ask everybody as universal screening. Next, there's the LRCUG. Yeah, that's the Lower Risk Cannabis Use Guideline. That's a real thing. That was published by Fisher in 2022. It states, quote, It's prudent for people who are trying to get pregnant or for women who are pregnant or who are breastfeeding to abstain from cannabis use because of the unknown reproductive harm to offspring. End quote. The National Association of Neonatal Nurses, or NAN, that's N-A-N-N, has their position statement from 2021. NAN takes an interesting stance here because they relate it back to methadone use for opioid use disorder. NAN states, quote, There is no known safe level of marijuana consumption when providing breast milk. Healthcare providers should employ a flexible approach to the care of women who have substance use problems, and they should encourage the use of all available community resources. Women should be counseled about the risks of periconception, antepartum, and postpartum drug use. 
the risks and benefits of breastfeeding should be weighed on an individual basis because methadone maintenance therapy is not a contraindication to breastfeeding, end quote. Pretty interesting, right? I mean, if we don't restrict women from methadone use to breastfeed, why should we with marijuana use? Well, the easy answer to that is, well, because marijuana is very lipophilic. It has predominant affinity for fatty areas, and that includes breast milk. The Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, or the SOGC, has their statement from 2019. Quote, women should be advised to abstain from cannabis use during lactation or reduce consumption if abstinence is not possible. Furthermore, women should be advised to avoid breastfeeding within one hour of inhaled use to reduce exposure of the highest concentration of cannabis in breast milk. End quote. And lastly, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, or the ABM, has their clinical protocols, but they actually go back to 2015. It states, quote, breastfeeding mothers should be counseled to reduce or eliminate their use of marijuana to avoid exposing their infants to the substance and advise them of the possible long-term neurobehavioral effect from continued use, end quote. In general, we can put all of these things together into one basic kind of consensus, and that's recommend and intervene to reduce cannabis use in pregnancy and lactation. But specifically for breastfeeding, breastfeeding should still be promoted, however, with specific precautions. Don't do it at, at least for the first hour of use and preferably for four hours, but we know that, that can become difficult because now you're working your schedule around your marijuana use when overall we should be doing what's best for the child and that's staying hydrated, getting adequate nutrition and greatly reducing or ideally eliminating THC from breast milk exposure. As we come to a close, let's wrap up as we come back to this Parents.com review of the AAP article. The truth is, we need a lot more research on the safety of THC and CBD during breastfeeding. And even though this group of this small cohort of neonates did well up to point of discharge, we still have questions. I mean, what about the effect of breastfeeding when the child is extremely premature, like 22 weeks or 32 weeks? And do they act differently than, say, a 42-week newborn? We just don't have that data. And again, as I mentioned before in the podcast, there's just even less information on CBD outside of THC. We just don't have any of that information out there. That's why, as of right now, the CDC and ACOG still stay with their current stance. Quote, The CDC does not support the use of THC or CBD in pregnant women or breastfeeding parents until more research and studies are available that can demonstrate both the short and long-term effects of THC on the developing infant. The standard recommendation is to avoid THC and CBD, end quote. All right, podcast family, we've covered a lot of info here regarding THC and CBD, specifically around breastfeeding, lactation. And even though marijuana use alone, taking away all the other cofactors, specifically tobacco use as a confounder, even though marijuana does not seem to be linked to preterm birth or stillbirth or birth defects, it's just not part of a healthy lifestyle. Women who use marijuana chronically are also nutritionally depleted, which puts them at risk for a bunch of other issues. And even though the data can be kind of confusing, if you sit down and kind of just work through it like we did here, it just kind of makes sense. And it comes down to we need a lot more data and the long-term 
neurodevelopmental issues are real, even though it's hard to piece that out from environmental factors. Hope that helps. Be on the lookout for the new ACOG bulletin or committee opinion on this coming out later on. But as of right now, this serves as a quick review and recap as where we stand as of November 2022. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.